0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Limitless Women Podcast. I'm Pamela, wishing you're having a great start of 2020, full of energy and truly committed to accomplish all what you really wish. I'm really excited for all the upcoming episodes, sharing with you stories from wonderful women that can inspire us in so many ways. Thank you so much for listening and for the support I'm been receiving in this project. I want you to know I'm fully committed to keep delivering inspiration through other women. Let's make this year worth living and own better what we do. I would like to start inviting you this year to break a bad habit, to learn a new skill, go out and exercise, do a good date, visit a new place, read that book you have been postponed, eat healthy, write and send that letter, face the fear, try something new that will help you grow and take a sincerely risk. I am very excited interviewing a woman that has seen changes through decades and experienced cultural adaptation lived war periods moving from Europe to America but taking the courage to be independent and explore the world through her imagination as a designer. While I was traveling to Kingston, I walked into this amazing boutique studio shop. I saw this particular character with boom curly blonde hair, big welcoming smile, adorable Polish accent and a cute blinded Pomeranian by her side. I was amazed at her personality and the great environment. I started talking to her and is not only the first person, but the first handbook binder woman I have ever met in my life. So it was always that I needed to know her story. I am super grateful with Katsenia for letting me interview her and open up herself in such an authentic way. She appreciated that I was interested in her story. I really enjoyed our time together. I invite you to be open and listen to the complete conversation especially the last part because it has a deep message for millennial generation. Unfortunately, the first 10 minutes of the audio was damaged. So sorry, but I'm going to give you heads up of the beginning of the conversation. is studied in Poland. She's a handbook binder, specialized in conservation and restoration designer of books and historical documents. She's one of the few studios existed in book in America, treating books as valuable pieces with truly interesting information. She works with the best leather from Europe, high quality organic vegetable leather. It's very light and she receives it in nude color. She dyes it herself in multiple colors and the tanning process
1: might take up to one month. Enjoy. And yet, you know, the leather that I use is extremely durable, so... uh, It's really good quality, I can feel it, I can see it, it's really lightly and... It's light, yeah, the the vegetable tan leather, yeah, is... uh, particularly the one that I use, and it is the, the, the belly, is really feather, uh, feather weight, but it is also leather of extreme durability. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is for more, for more than, than one generation, for sure, it can be, there, you know, mm-hmm. pass on. And, and what is also very important when it comes to, to handbook binding and book conservation, restoration, to use the highest quality and the most durable leather (coughs) because each time we do the rebinding, uh, we somehow uh, have to interfere with the original structure of of the book, which is never desirable, so we should always use the highest quality of materials um, when it comes to leather but also to mm, paper that should be uh, asset free. Or the old books that are acidic, the pages should be deacidified in order to, mm-hmm. to last for future generations.
0: Mm-hmm. Being an artist and a designer, I am a designer. I studied fashion design and over the years uh, graphic design. And I found myself that to be a designer, you have to be very creative. But there's lots of times in, 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 in life or circumstances when creativity stops. And you always need to keep in track to have creativity. And when I see like these amazing designers with great lines,
1: if I have customers that for more than twenty-five years every year they they send to me or they come <coughs> with the journals and ask for, for yeah. Mm-hmm. So my question is, <coughs> new pages because I know that
0: you have been working being a designer over thirty-five years. How you keep your creativity alive, or? From where you get inspiration from?
1: Well, you see, the creativity is something that, uh, uh, um, well, till now uh, I didn't have any crisis in. I have, I have more ideas than I have the time to uh, to create everything that I would like to. And time, I think, is the thing that I am that I am uh, uh, lacking. But, uh, but never, never when it comes to to ideas, I always feel. Sorry that I cannot try everything that I have in my in my head which but, is amazing but Wow what inspires me well there are lots of things that inspired me because I am interested in, in architecture I am interested in uh, in history I am interested in furniture design and and for me it's enough to to look even when I walk here in Kingston and to look at some elements. Uh, um, on the windows, the Victorian uh, uh, uh-huh. architecture, yes. and then I immediately worked I said, well, you know, this I can use. I'm very much into the medieval aesthetics, and this also inspires, I can show you the photos later, some bindings that I did that are inspired by medieval aesthetics, but they have, they are also transformed into the modern sort of uh, industrial design and they combine the metal and leather together. Very often when I get particular leather, because it is a natural material, never get to the same pieces and they have some different edge or, or shape or color and it tells me what to do it is when i look at the um, the leather well it tells me what i could do because you're a natural artist so the same is like a sculptor is looks at the piece of marble and mm-hmm. uh, well we don't see anything in it and then the little curve, the color here and there and then you know it inspires the mind what can be sculpted. so the same with materials and the leather that they see the handmade paper that they see sometimes uh, when I look at metal uh, work, uh, the artists who, who use metal, this also inspires me, and I somehow... Uh, well, I used to call it transmutation, you know, the mm-hmm. things, uh, what I do. No, but th- th- this is not, this is not, definitely, this is not a problem for me to... I and that's, don't have that's that, amazing. that, that, that that's really uh, good artist block, you know, when it comes to the design. But the time, yes, the time is uh, very... uh yeah.
0: Liking. So, as being a natural artist, and I think like creativity has been always around you. I guess when you were like growing up, you were a very creative child. Going back in time, what inspired you to decide to study your
1: degree? Well, as I said, I always had academic interest. The intellectual was very, very strong, and uh, artistic. My grandparents mm-hmm. were professors from before the war yet. My grandfather was um, a professor of Latin and Greek and my grandmother was a biologist. And I spent lots of time in, in my grandmother's home and she was retired then and she spent uh, an incredible amount of time with me. Reading the old stories, and she knew uh, i'm polish, but she, she she was a polyglot she she knew and then French and, and English and German and she studied in Germany, so uh, she sang to me in the languages that I did not understand uh, then, but uh, the sound of the, um, the voice you know somehow ignited um, the imagination, the the stories that she sang in Polish uh, from about the old times and medieval times and the time when Poland lost the independence and when we had to fight for our country. So this is everything that very much I guess created my, my Creative imagination life. and the and the old home and the the balcony on the um, second floor with this old Linden tree that was so old and with his it had very, very beautiful and long branches that they were touching the windows at night, and uh, everything. I guess everything together somehow. You're um, who you are today? Right. Yeah. Uh, plus, I think that to be creative, it is a talent, and it is, a it is not something. Sure. I'm hundred percent sure that it is not something that can be taught. And for many, many years, for well over 25 years I had students. And what is actually quite sad because I had few that I could teach the technical things. But I did not have even one who was a designer. And yet nowadays I think that the the internet uh, kills very much creativity because when I asked my students, I said, well, could you, you know, come up now with your design and do something? The first thing they do, they go on the internet or on the cell phone. And, yes, and they we... don't have anything inside themselves. And you see, this is not only the thing to be creative that, well, well, talent is one thing. But other thing is to have the um, interest it's with lots of things, to have very inquisitive mind. See my students that they just... Uh, reach for the cell phone and they look what other people made and they try to imitate. Well, it is definitely not the, not the way to be go. creative. <laughs> you're just mentioning something really deeply interesting because it's very true. We
0: are killing our own creativity through go to the internet and looking for creativity. Well, as you're mentioning this, I think I did it myself when it was about like homeworks or something that. Teachers were asking for, and then I was thinking I might go to the internet, look for inspiration through pictures or art. Maybe I can get like some inspiration from that to create something. But what you're saying, it's totally true. Like back in time, the great artists they didn't have internet, and they were creating yes, see, it's different these amazing things.
1: It's different to think than the knowledge about the techniques, and of course, we have to. We have to know the artists, the trends, and things. You know how they were made and what was uh, uh, the line in in Art Deco and what is the the modern one and, and so on. Of course, we have to we have to know that. But then, uh, we have to everything digest uh, inside ourselves. And uh, um, that's why nowadays I think everything looks alike. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing. Other thing is too everything looks alike because. Uh, it's not made by hand. You study design, so probably you know what is arts and crafts movement. And during the Industrial Revolution, the industrial machine production was was introduced, and then well, there were many copies made of the same item, and repeated, 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 repeated. William Morris, and when it comes to, to bookbinding, designer bookbinding, which means the book that is a form of art, um, the Dove, uh, Banderian, cobden Sanderson, they try to go back to the old art of making things and uh, by hand uh, designing everything from zero really not to repeat you know things but the the, the more the technology developed the more the production became bigger and bigger. Of course, if somebody opens a factory and produces something, well, it is in thousands of copies or millions of of copies. And uh, everything has to be standardized, what is very irritating to to me. But things made by uh, machine and the mass production is much cheaper than than things made by hand. Because uh, looking at my work, on average, even if I have already the design in my head, it takes me minimum three days and my working day is 15 hours. I open at 11 and I close it to it at, at, at night. So it's many, many hours and I work really practically whole whole day. So it takes me three days to make one leather bag, but there are some that well i can work a week or even more to do of course i create much more interesting piece much more durable piece some something that when women walk the street and that's what my customers tell tell me well people just look you know what oh they, yes what they have is attention is attention it but makes our, our the hurt. price is also totally different Although I think I seriously under my work, because if I had to charge by hour, well, I don't think that Kingston is the place that would customers here would, would pay for it. But, uh, well, yes, it is the price that one pays for something that is different. But look at Louis Vuitton. It is not about design, because it isn't a design there. It's the plan. LV, 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 just, you know. People pay thousands of dollars to advertise The product, the materials are not as high quality because it is, uh, well, specially prepared canvas, some leather. But I don't think we can talk about design when it comes to Louis Vuitton. People pay for it because they want to show their financial status, how rich they are, how much money they have that they can buy Louis, Louis Vuitton. But people who buy Louis Vuitton, they don't have their own style. And look very often, uh, well, I'll say differently. It costs a lot to to hire for whatever, you know, film production or any other one, to hire a designer, somebody who has the individual thought and style. And and they are paid uh, really very, very high money for their originality, for their uh, thought. And look now... uh, movie stars, singers, and so on, they hire a stylist for themselves. They don't have style. You know what? I understood what does it mean to have a style. It was maybe 20 years ago or so I went to the New York. It was the time. Now I'm older, so maybe I don't don't pay so much attention to the way I, I, I look and the way you know I, I, I dress. But uh, when I walked the Fifth Avenue, and I had quite few ladies approaching me and asking me, well, who is your designer? And uh, I did, of course, I did not have designer. And, and the way I buy things uh, is just, oh, I like this, I like this. Oh, this is nice and, and have style. And I know that I, when I get uh, back home and I put them all together, they match. Because I buy everything you know through my sense of sense of uh, your style of style. Your personal style, and it was not about money because I never look for the the things that I always despise, and I looked to buy the label because it it means to me that well, it is not really mine that I have to take somebody else's. Uh, taste and and personality on me so I I, I despise labels as labels. For me the style, the the difference is something that is important and it is not money. Because when I I (laughs) walked the Fifth Avenue I I didn't have on me a piece who cost more than 50 dollars Canadian. And yet somehow Ladies that look at me, they they thought that it is something extra-ordinary and that I pay lots of money for it. And you see, this is the thing that one cannot buy. That's why I'm saying that when it comes to design, it is a talent, and one has to be born with it. And it is, I think, very much connected with with a very wide interest. It cannot be like this. Well, you know, I just do clothes or I just do, do bindings, and I just, you know, look at these things. No have to be very open-minded. You have to be intellectually um, open-minded. Uh, you have to find interest in so many things because that's where the inspiration are coming from. I could look, you know, at this uh, old boat and I see the balls on it and this old rusted metal and the color it has on it. And I immediately, you know, transform it inside to my head. I said, oh, yeah, I could use it, you know, this, this um this color this particular look you know for the um, hinges. or i can try to finish leather what actually i did i did incredible things with leather to look like an old oak to have this black uh, color on it and to to have this texture and the color that in, in particular places it changes because it starts rusting, so the, the, the blue color that the boat was painted on is, is fading and then coming into this um, uh, rusty color. So that you see, from lots of, lots of other things that one, you know, takes the inspiration. So I think the true designer is not just, uh, uh, should not be tied just to the one thing that it does, but should be, you know, open to so many different things. Really. The Kingston and this old old Victorian downtown is lots of inspiration to me when I walk my doggy at the uh, old Sydney, and and I look in this incredible Victorian details in architecture. I can just you know use just one you know one piece, one one curve that you know caught my uh, attention. And why I like Victorian architecture because I think that architecture is about taming the space. Absolutely. And uh, Victorian architecture could tame the space like no any other uh, uh, period. Walking along the houses, where you, you you feel that it is the space that you belong to, in opposition to the modern architecture that I think can have very beautiful uh, line and objectively geometrically can be beautiful, but it is the space that is you know that is not tamed, and we feel lost in it. We don't feel like we belong to it. We, I think it isolates us more and I think uh, underscores our loneliness in, in the world. But Victorian, Victorian is not. Even, you know, if you look at the little house behind us and uh, look at this little elements above the, uh, the window, and there's so much energy, and this is a very simple building. It yes. is a very simple building. Uh-huh. And look how much attention was paid to the detail. And that's so true. That you even cannot, you know, see all of them from close. And if you don't pay attention, you quite not see every single detail. Yes, it inspires me lots of things. It does not mean that I repeat the same thing, but it is the inspiration because sometimes it's just the line or the the curve or the way they develop the, the leaf, mm-hmm. you know, pattern. Um, on it. So, I, I think creativity altogether is the way we not only how we perceive the world but how we inhale it, you know, how it lives in us. But, but it is a talent. It is no, it's no way I try to teach my, my students to be creative, to come up with their own designs, and believe me, you cannot, this is something that you cannot teach. That's or so somebody true. has to see something, of course, you can develop you know, your, your creativity. But you have to have something. It's the same like with talent. Well, I never will be a mathematician. Statistically, most of artists, they
0: fail in becoming successful. You as a designer, what do you think it made you being successful and have a studio? Or how did you come up
1: strongly to
0: say, I'm going to open my own studio?
1: Well, I guess being me, because people come to, to buy my designs because I am different. And I am definitely different when it comes to my character, to the way I I live, to the way I behave, to my intellectual interests, to my political views, yes. to my artistic taste. I am different. This is one thing. Other thing is too that that there are very few of artists who work this old way as I do work with with books. There are not many uh, designer handbook binders and book conservators. There are really very, very few, and I think in whole Canada you could not you know, uh, not count more than 10. This is the material I work with. This is the way I use the material. It is the things that one will never find two the same things in my store. I never make two the same pieces. And I think I, I love that. Been, even physically, and psychologically, I am not able to do to the same uh, pieces. The same when I taught the book history, I was never uh, able to have to the same lectures, because uh, <laughs> so I always see some different things, some different, you know, elements, and it is boring. And when I have to work on these things, I make only 10 books, the Illustrated London News, that has the, all the volume, they have to be uh, bound uniformly. I can cannot do more than 10 a month because it is killing me because it is the repetition. Repetition kills me. I think it is personality that is seen in, in the um, design. I will show you later the photos of them. Uh, the work that I do. I think I have very strong personality. <laughs> you, you do, and you <laughs> have an amazing personality. Face That's why when I
0: came in your store and I saw you, I was like, wow. Who is she? What does she does? I like your energy. I like and uh, the way you are. You move, you speak, how your hair looks like. And you told me yesterday your age and I couldn't even believe it because you are so alive. You have a very happy face, very special spirit. Can I say your age? Yes, I was 61 in January. And I was impressed because your personality is super young.
1: I am too intellectually alive to get psychologically old, because I am approaching sixty, and there is some, you know, political issue and things, and and I talk to the young people, I try to convince them. I said, well, you know, you cannot just, you know. Not pay attention what is going on, you know, around you. have to take the active part, you know, in changing the world. And then I told them, that, well, you know, we are young, so, you know, we can do it. And then I realized, gosh, I am talking to 21 or 22 years old. I am almost 60 and I'm telling them, you know, we are young. Like we are, I am, right. you know, 20, you know, is in 20, our mind. 20, 20 something. But uh, I have very strong intellectual and artistic curiosity I, I study all the time. That's why I like internet although with, I work with, with books but the fact that I can take courses from um, Yale through the um, internet or, or Oxford or from any other you know intellectual institution, I am very much fascinated now by quantum physics. So I'm going through all the series of, of lectures about quantum physics. There is there is all the time something that is interesting to me, that I want to, like, you know, would like to know more. I never stop learning. Uh, and I cannot leave, you see, I am, I am addicted to reading. I have to have all the time for my mind. I have to all the time have some intellectual... To process
0: content. all the information content. That
1: daily. <laughs> I All the time, you know, when I get to some... Uh, things that like quantum physics now so that I, I became incredibly I- interested in and, and open a totally different world for me and different imagination because the um, law of physics on earth here are totally different and in and the, in, the, um, in space so it also ignites your imagination it also you know changes the, the way of uh, of thinking and uh, Yes, this is my addiction, this is my addiction. I don't make money in, my, in, in the things that I do. I just basically make you know the money to, to pay the bills and I will never make, maybe if I were in New York and I could charge five, $6,000 per, per bag or, or become the designer with name, you know, maybe. But then I have pathological lack of ambition because I live to satisfy what is inside me and what I need. The recognition of the world as the world well, is not judging me up, really. But I have lots of satisfaction when I have, you know, customers that order something or they like something. Of course, because and they uh, like your job. Inspired, they like what you, but what you do. Uh, but I am pathologically not attached to the money and this part of, you know. It's really interesting it's that you're a,
0: um, uh, touching this topic because I was going to ask you. I have a cousin. She's an artist as well. She graduated um from Yale in New York City. I know that financially, it's really difficult as an artist and creator to become super rich or successful financially really quick. Also because lots of competition with brands and new labels and new artists or people that they call some artists and all of that oh yeah. how you overcome well I changes?
1: always I always have orders it is never like I, I you know I was waiting for, for customers I all the time have orders just the thing is that even but if back in time 15 hours a day by myself when I have to with customers I have to come up with the design I have to look for the materials and leather that I have to use here I have to clean my studio I have to eat in meantime so I just can make as many things as I can unless I would hire some People who could make copies of my, you know, I make the design and they just make the item, well then yes, but I'm not interested in these things. You see, the, 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 the way I live, it gives me the freedom, and freedom is something incredibly important to me. I can't imagine myself working for an institution. I work at University of Alberta. I quit after five years. Things that I value the most. It's my freedom, I do what I want to do. If somebody likes it and thank God they like it, they, uh, they buy it. My work really is work of a an loner and I am a loner. I need lots of I need lots of space for myself. For me being with people all the time just absolutely drains me and, and uh, kills me and I hate the talk about really nothing and the, the superficial. The older I get, the more I read, the more I need uh, time to think and to be with myself. I need the space. I need the psychological and intellectual uh, space. So running a business as a business, let's say, you know, I am a very good designer. I know. So I could uh, somehow get the business loanlet when I was longer and offer some, you know, bigger, you know, space, hire people, get the machines and start doing that. But it's not me. I have to spend so much time on the things that are not interesting, that are boring, the financial part, running the business, you know, as, as a business. It's just not me. Another thing is to, you know, I'm not really money crazy, because how much do we really need? I have place to live, beautiful Kingston, above my studio, so it's even, you know, close to my work. I have money to buy food, very, you know, very good one. I have everything what I need. I don't have this obsession of having. Are you happy? Yes, I am. But, you know, but the happy... I don't like the, the word happiness. And, and sorry, I don't like the question, are you happy? Because there isn't something like happiness. There are some moments that we experience the sense of happiness, Absolutely. but it is just the, the moment. The thing what is important is if we do the things, that we feel the satisfaction. If we live this way that we don't feel regrets, if we did something that uh, could change something in the positive uh, manner. You see, the happiness is byproduct of something completely else. If we live uh, what is the obsession in modern culture, for the happiness, we never will be. It's absolutely ridiculous. We have to do the things that have some value. Absolutely, I agree with you. And this is, you know, the sense of the fulfillment is more. That's that's what comes from it. And and really, the happiness is a byproduct. It's not something that uh, exists all the time. And this is what well happiness. What is it? The state of euphoria. Cannot last longer. So this is the pop culture, you know, things. Everybody deserves to be happy. What the heck, you know? You don't live, you know, to be happy. You live your life to do something meaningful. I went a lot through my life. I am a political immigrant. I fought for the freedom of speech in, in Poland. I spent time in prison. I, I, I went through horrible things in my life. But I like life. Because it is interesting. There's so many interesting things in my life. The only thing that I worry is that my life is too short and I won't be able to read all the books that I gathered, you know, the 5,000 books or more that I gathered that uh, I would like to live because I won't have enough time. I won't be able to, to learn all the things that I would like. It's, uh, for me, this is something that gives me the... The energy, the new things that I want to learn, the new lecture, because I, I work as I said, you know, my, my work is a work of a loner. Well I have customers here, but I am not like you know a Walmart or some other place that I have customers uh, customer coming here all the time. So when I work and and, and do my my staff all the time listen to some lectures and 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 this is this morning and when I get up and this is the sense of excitement about the new things that I would like to uh, learn today, that I would like to listen about, on the the new book, the, the interesting, you know, literature, something. Th- this this gives me this kick, you know. Like, but happiness, happiness that people have a very wrong... Uh, yeah. I consider I guess, happy yeah. as
0: a state of mind when you feel good despite life circumstances, because everyone has life circumstances and everyone goes through hard moments but, like, there are different kind of things or moments that just make you happier. So, for me, I can be happy all the time because I consider myself a happy person. And they are hard moments, but they are so many things that makes me happier during the day. What I'm doing right now with you makes me my life happier.
1: She for me, is- I take lots of pleasure from the little things, like Oscar Wilde ones, the simple pleasures that simple pleasures make happy people of complicated psychological structure. I guess he was, uh, he was right. Small things, you know, yes. make me happy. And the, the small things is something like, I discovered something that I, you know, some intellectual questions and wonderings that I had and I couldn't figure out something. And then because reading something or listening to some lecture or finding some new inquiring, you know, mind or book. And this, this sparks, you know, would make me happy. But life, really life, is full of pain. It is. I think most of the time we don't have and we do not do things that we really like. This happiness stuff and things is a product of, uh, I think, of pop culture. The easy, the easy happiness. What has been your biggest failure? Well, I don't think that I had really, like, big failures. There were some things that didn't uh, work. Well, it always happens that they, as I said, I had very hard time. I lost my child. I was in uh, uh, in prison. I went through very, very hard time. Would I change it? No, I wouldn't, because fighting for with against communists uh, for the freedom of speech, for the freedom um, altogether was something that morally I didn't have any other choice. So. If the situation was the same again, I would I would do it despite of the fact that that it cost me really a lot and it changed my life uh, dramatically. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't change it. Well, the older I get, the less I think about things in the categories of failure. Would have to be something really really something very very bad for me to consider this a failure because. Even if sometimes something does not work or it did not work in my uh, my life, sometimes it looked that I was really on the bottom, but then well, there is the saying, when the door closes, then, you know, they go yeah. through the window, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So things that, that at first they look like, you know, a failure, but then it turned out that it was an opening to completely different world. So reader, I, I don't,
0: yeah. And what was inside of you, with your strong personality, that takes you out from that
1: difficult situation? Generally, from the difficult situation. Yes. Uh, I think, and thanks to my strong personality, I never needed the confirmation from others. It really never bothers me, you know, what somebody else, you know, said, or I, ne- I never try to conform to somebody, you know, all this. I knew what is. What is right? How it was supposed to do? So, I think that's the thing. I, I, I never needed other people to tell me that I to go to or, or the things that I do are, are right. I, I never needed their approval,
0: and that that's
1: I think what makes me. That's I think what makes me strong because I want the things just to please somebody. I'll say so because somebody. You know, trust me, because the thing is politically correct or whatever, I said, well, sorry, screw you, I don't go for it.
0: And something um, more interesting, what has been your biggest achievement in life?
1: I think being myself, it doesn't matter in what situation. The thing that I had always, I had the courage to be myself, doesn't matter what the cost, and I did not feel um, sorry for. For it. There is lots of things. There is not, you see, there's not like one thing that one can pick up. No, that, you absolutely. Know, I will see, it can be you know, like many this, achievements. But Which one would you pick? But uh, but I think when the hard time, when was the martial law in Poland, and uh, when I was very severely repressed, and I was in prison, prison, that I didn't break down, that I didn't betray. I thought that then I could gain, you know, a lot if I betrayed the, the, the movement, if I collaborated with communists, despite the fact that I was pregnant then. I didn't, even once, I didn't break down. I didn't betray. I, I think this is the... You're a solid woman. But then again, I don't think I would know how to do it. Because it was so strongly, you know, something against my personality. Lots of little things and I, I don't really look at my life like in these categories you know achievements and uh, failures. I look at the things that are interesting for me That's what really that's what really comes. I know seriously I don't I don't think. Well some things that I feel very sorry about. Uh, when I was in uh, Poland now uh, for a couple of years, and I had the dog I had many dogs i i I saved the um, life of of many dogs and then when I was coming back to to Canada, couldn't fly all of them could be only one and I left the greyhound behind and I feel so sorry for the um, dog I left him with my assistant. It turned out that. It wasn't the best choice. And that's what I feel guilty about, because he trusted me and I left him behind. So that's the thing that I think I will be dying and I will, you know, I will feel sorry about. But um, I have a very soft spot for animals. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and I get very attached. What are your favorite books as a reader? I think absolutely number one for me is uh, Czech writer Bohumil Hrabal particularly well all, all of Chris's books but particularly one too loud uh, solitude. Solitude? Too loud too loud a solitude. It is a really mm-hmm. book about books on one hand. And there it is a theological tractatus and and philosophical one and the best ever literature I think written <coughs> ever. Even New York Times, it called Krabbel, one of the best writers, if not the best writer of the 20th uh, century. He had something in his writing uh, that only the greatest minds have, that he could come out from the very particular thing to the very universal. He has this sort of metaphysical uh, way of uh, writing, uh, and his style of writing and and his sensitivity also when it comes to to animals. There is one moment in laute Solitude, and laute Solitude is the book about is it the book about himself really because all his all his writing um, this or other way he wrote about himself. It is Czechoslovakia after the war is communism and he has PhD in law but but uh, um, not being on the side of of a uh, communist he cannot find a job so he works in a place that recycles uh, paper and and compacts that all uh, you know books to be sent for recycling and he works in the, um, the cellar where our, lots of mice and, uh, and rats, and one day, he realizes be well, there's too much of them, and, and he's with this big machine that compacts the, the paper, he squeezes them. And then one of these old uh, mouse the, the father of the family, sees what is happening, and it jumps to, to him, and with his little body, he tries to fight him, you know, to defend his family. And you see, this is this is what I was saying, I was coming from the... the Particular to the universal. Uh, and, and that's how this chapter ends. I look at the eyes of the mice and I saw in them much more than starry sky above me and the moral law inside me. This is from the Kant. There is um, what he said: there is a um, starry sky above me and the moral law inside me. And looking at the eyes of this, of this fighting mouse or rat, uh, he saw much more than the scary, starry sky and the uh, and, uh, moral He saw the suffering and he saw the compassion. And that's his whole Hrabel. That's, yeah, Pahomin That's the best writer ever. Although I cannot always read him because it does, I fall in pieces. I mean, I literally fall in pieces. Because the the way he writes, well, it is really sad. But the way he writes is, um <clears throat> on one page, you you just you just die from laughter. And then there is another another page. There is that the coming from this particular to the universal, and and it's so incredibly sad, and the truth about the sadness, sadness that is. The metaphysical sickness that it. I really, I really fall, fall in pieces. I have everything what he wrote. This is the book that this you see here. This is this is from my library, it's in Polish. We have all his books in Polish.
0: would love you to share with us what are your favorite border
1: quotes. There is much more than starry sky above me and uh, moral uh, inside me. That's my favorite, perfect, the best writer ever.
0: What are some advices that you would like to share with us and upcoming generations.
1: Oh my God. I think that less and less I have in common with them, with the young generation, I think, do not understand anymore the young generation and telling the truth. I feel sorry for you. I really do, but I won't say anything more because it will be very politically incorrect. So be yourself. Well I think that you are very severely indoctrinated. I think that nowadays universities are not universities anymore. they are trade schools for um, the corporations. I think that humanities nowadays are really dead. <laughs> Yesterday I watched some program about young young students and, and I'm sorry but the idiotic things what they were saying not because they are stupid but because they were so indoctrinated to uh, believe this way that they can be whatever they want to be that they can do whatever they want to do and they think that it is freedom it is not freedom it is uh, anarchy freedom comes with the sense of very strong sense of responsibility and self-restriction and I think unless the young generation is taught self-restriction and responsibility, they really never be happy. There are certain you know, limitations. There is no freedom without responsibility. This is actually quite, quite interesting because I had a lot of students. The things I was telling them and explaining to them where the world is going and the changes that are happening and what is very wrong about that. Then they laughed at me. They just said, well, you know, that cannot be. I'm a book historian, so well, I know history very well. And then, you know, a few years later, I got the letter of, of I mean, truth messenger. They said, well, you know, we are very sorry because we... we we then, you know, we laughed at you, but uh, you are hundred percent right. We are now, as as society, well, the changes are really as really as you predicted. Is it hundred percent? I said, well, I know because I've been there. <laughs> but that's a totally different, yeah. Well, Ksenia, I'm that's a totally very grateful
0: for hearing your story and a little bit of you. And I'm very happy that I crossed back with you and meeting you.
1: Well, I am very happy that you as a young person became interested in somebody like, like me and the things that, that I know. Thanks for, so for having me here. So <laughs> grateful to meet you. You're
0: very welcome. Wow, such an interesting story, right? For me, one of the most interesting things I experienced this time, it was being able to connect with someone like her, listening and seeing life through her eyes. It's an awesome feeling to hear what inspires others. I'm personally taking a couple of things that we would love to be working in. One, use my own creativity and stay tuned to myself. Two, keep living life with a truly meaningful purpose. Three, never stop searching for things I would like to learn. And four, embrace happy moments. Inviting you this upcoming week to take advantage in every hour we live. Stop in wasting time on things that honestly don't matter at the end. And as hard as it can be, let's replace bad habits with new good healthy habits. I will add her website information if you're interested to see her work, to shop online or any other requirement. Thanks for tuning. Till next week.